Hello, welcome to another edition of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. This is Lawrence Clay. I'm the host for today's show, which once again, we're at the Clio Cloud Conference. It's live. It's in real life once again. And we're in Nashville, Tennessee. A very beautiful day. I think it's a little cool outside, but it looks like a very promising day. The sun is out. There's like some fall colors and it's just awesome. And so I've got a wonderful panel joining us today. We're going to be talking about some legal vlogs. I've got Kevin O'Keefe. I have Teresa Maddich and I have Ify Ibekwe joining us today. And so say hello, everybody. We got some listeners out there and they want to learn about blogging. How's it going today? Awesome. Having going a great well. day. So as I understand, you're on a, uh, a panel and there was some uh, audience participation and uh, Teresa, I believe you were moderating the panel. And so what, what was kind of the general, like, was it sort of a beginner's guide or how did it all unfurl? Um, I would say, yeah, it was a bit of a beginner's guide. We we kind of asked at the beginning, and there was a good mix of people in the audience who wanted to start a blog and who had started a blog already. Um, and then a lot of questions around, like, where should I host my blog? How long should a blog be? And things like that. So um, really, I think getting back to the fundamentals for people who might have been doing it already, but also some basic tips for people who wanted to get started. Excellent. So I, you know, I've got a lot of like similar related questions. You know, there's a, I've been running into a lot of people, not necessarily just in legal practice, but out there kind of trying to build their own personal brand and they want to get in, have some publication behind them and use it as a platform to go into some other things. And so I want to touch base with you all there, you know, getting started, you know, lawyers, very busy people, they don't need one more thing to do. And this is a commitment of something that's not a billable hour. It's not bringing uh, profits in the door, but potentially can build on that. So why don't we talk about the benefits of blogging? So let's talk about that. Why put in the extra work if you're not being paid for it? I mean, Iffy, I think you can probably. (laughs) Yeah, I think that there are so many benefits of blogging. I think one of them is being able to be a thought leader, a subject matter expert in your area, in your niche as uh, a lawyer. And I get it. It seems like a lot of work and that you don't have enough time. And why do I have to stop what I'm doing? Something that's not immediately going to make me money, but in the long term, it can drive people to you. For example, if you end up being asked to speak on a panel about your niche, I think someone mentioned equine law. I live in Northwest Arkansas where there are lots of billionaires and billionaires with horses, you know, and you come in and you speak at a conference because somebody finds something on your blog that's helpful. Or if you get the opportunity to bring in a client because they're on a Google search and they find your article because it answers a question that they need answered. And so sometimes you have to play the long game. And I I think that it's easy to say I'm not doing it because I don't see instant results, but hardly do you see instant results with many things in life. So... Well, let's talk about some of the things that uh, lawyers can write about. You know, I, I've read a lot of these uh, blog articles out there, and I see people submitting stuff to some of the major legal publications. Dry material. I mean, what lawyers do could sometimes be a little bit dry. So in terms of that spicing it up, or maybe just some topics, you know, were there some uh, some recommendations there? Is it Does it always have to be 100% what you're practicing about, or is it just what you're passionate about? What do you do there? Do you leverage your legal expertise, make it interesting? How do you get people to follow you? 
I think it really depends on your goals. So if you're trying to draw more clients to your practice, you're going to want to just consider your audience and think about what they're interested in. So for example, if you have a wills and estates firm, you might want to think about um, five things you want to consider when putting together your estate plan, something like that. Um, However, if you're trying to drive more referrals um, from other practices, maybe like a family law firm who is looking for someone to refer to wills and estates and you want to be on their radar, then you're going to be writing about something different. So considering your audience is super important. And then the publication. So maybe something dry and legal is appropriate if you want to get published in like a formal journal or something like that. Um, But for a a lot of blogging, um, and this is something we covered in the panel, a storytelling format can be a lot more engaging. Yeah. If a lawyer's going to blog, you you only blog on one subject. And that's the, the subject that you have a passion for that you're looking to grow, you know, a business in. And blogging doesn't take a lot of time. Blogging takes less time than other forms of business development. So it's a real fallacy for people to say, how do lawyers get the time to blog when they need to do other things like bill hours? You know, because there's two things that go on. <clears throat> if a lawyer plays golf to get work, it takes six hours. Um, that might not even include the driving. Um, you're not going to spend six hours a week in, in doing this. If you go to networking events to meet people, which may not be as, as often anymore after the pandemic, that takes more time. Any, any business development person is going to tell a lawyer that you better be prepared for five to nine hours a week doing business development work. So if you're in a law firm and they're asking you to bill 2,200 hours, hours, now you've got to do five to nine hours on top of it, you just do it because it allows you to grow, grow your name. So, you know, I tell law students that, that most of the law students are lazy. They're not going to do those things which differentiate themselves for other people. And I've talked to some of the busiest lawyers in the country on niches, take food safety for advantage. And Bill Marler said he would never blog. Bill, Bill runs a powerhouse, not only of his blog, but a food safety network, and it has caused his practice to, to take off. But you got to stay on that niche. You can say, okay, we, I can go off and say something on a baseball game or something like that. But the people that are reading your publication aren't expecting you to talk about those things. And uh, so if you're publishing a magazine on trout and stream or hunting or something like that, and now you go off and say, we're now going to cover baseball trip, that's a little bit tough to do to, to your audience. Once you establish yourself that you are really well-known and you want to drop something in semi-personally, like, you know, how does the FMLA relate to a, a, a baseball road trip with your son to the East Coast? You can do that if you're Jeff Nowak, but uh, that's my take on it. Well, what's your recommendation for, uh, you know, how long should this be taken? Just as a general guideline, I mean, obviously some topics are going to be more complicated than others, but just on average, how often, or sorry, how, how much per week should a lawyer invest their time into doing this? You know, you, you do it when you can. You know, some lawyers are very strict on time. You know, there's lawyers that have published every Monday morning for like 14 years. That's a long time. Yes. And uh, you may not have written it every Monday morning. It may have been written in the previous week and then goes live on Monday morning. But they, they're, they're creatures of habit. It's got to be very structured time. I'm not. You know, I, I would love to do a blog post in a, in a morning, but if I've got other things to do in work that gets away from me, I, 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 I can't do it. But uh, when a lawyer's starting off, I would suggest doing two blog posts a month because that is 26 in a year. That's 26 pieces of content that they did not publish last year. That is a huge amount. <clears throat> then when they start to realize that this thing works, they're getting girls and attaboys from other people, they're going to start to be fired up about it. But if they start up saying, I'm going to do like one every week, and then it doesn't work. It's like the, the fish that smells bad in the back, back of the corner. It doesn't smell 
be- doesn't get any better with time. Yeah, so you, I agree. Know, Consistency is like super, super, super important and sort of sticking to what you said that you would do. And it's also when you talk about like lawyers not having time, part of that is like building those habits, right? So um, there's this book, Atomic Habits by James Clear, James Clear. And one of the things he talks about is mastering the art of showing up. So even if you're going to get better at blogging with practice, but sort of if you're showing up that two times a month or once a week or whatever it is, you're mastering the art of showing up and blogging is going to take less of your mental bandwidth as you continue to do it. Agreed. Consistency is really um, key. A guest blog once a week <laughs> for Above the Law. Wow. And so it's, um, it's just like every week I know that that's something I want to do and I want to put it out there. And then, uh, like Kevin says, next thing you know, you have all this content out there. And it's just the rep- repetition of doing it at all. I have some formatting questions. So, you know, obviously uh, we're in a multimedia universe. It's very easy to share, not just uh, just not not just print media, but you can put video to accompany your your print. You can also have a podcast accompany your print. But uh, just in terms of length, um, you know, these articles, you know, I roll my eyes when somebody sends me a link, like, oh, you got to read this article and I open it up and it's like five pages long. It's like, I do not have time to read that. So for me, you know, shorter is better. Uh, and obviously, you know, if you can write effectively in a short format, that's great. But uh, you know, what are your recommendations for that? Like, how long should a piece be, a quality piece be? That someone's going to have time to read, is going to be interested in reading, not going to roll their eyes and tune out. I mean, it's so hard to know because they keep changing the number as far as like, should it be at least you know 500 words? To a th- when I write, I like to stick between five to one thousand because I feel like you can sit and read that in one go. And it's not too overwhelming and it's not too short. But like you said, brevity is very difficult to be concise yes. and informative. It That takes a lot more work than just, <laughs> let me just throw 200 more words because I, I don't know how to make it shorter. But it just depends. I wish I had a magic number, but I, I don't. I, that's where I like to stay in for my weekly blog. I would agree. And sometimes that number is going to come. If you're guest blogging, they're going to say it has to be under 600 words or something like that. And that'll give you a guideline. But otherwise, like your your target audience probably who wants to read their blog, they just want their question answered. So really sticking to like, what is the title of this blog? What question does it answer? That's going to help you hone in. And then in terms of saving time, I would say it like, I agree, it's easier to write something longer than something shorter. So just write without stopping, just keep your fingers going on the keyboard and get that ugly first draft out and then ruthlessly, when in doubt, cut it out to get down to something that is just the meat of your topic and really nice and readable. We circle back to that just additional content. So uh, you know, we noticed we did little studies on our social media. And we're putting out uh, podcasts like pictures land, you know, uh, in social media. People see that like, oh, okay, you know, they kind of get the idea of what it's about. They like it. They're at least more likely to engage. But similarly, you got video, you got pictures, you know, uh, complementing this. Like, how how much do you put in there? Is it one picture? Is it two pictures? I mean, what do you, you know, what's too much? What's too little? What what do y'all recommend? What's the secret sauce when it comes to adding that content? I would say um, mobile is really big now. A lot of people, your audience is on the go. They're going to be reading on their phone. So thinking about um, how often you need an image or something to break up the text and kind of keep that interesting. So um, as a rule of thumb, maybe like once every 250 words, but it has to make sense. You don't just want to be throwing stock images in there whenever. So um, also using a lot of bolded subheads can also help break up that text. Um, And as you alluded to earlier, embedding links to podcasts or videos can also help break up that text. So you really want to be thinking, is this image adding value to the reader? Yeah, I mean, the images tend to be, sometimes they're almost a nuisance because you need to add them maybe for social media and whatnot. But 
I think if you're if you're looking to dress up your posts and things like that, then you're headed in the wrong direction. And uh, you know, a couple things. One, the length of the post doesn't matter as far as building your reputation, getting seen, or any of that type of stuff, whether it's on Google or people citing it. And you can't really talk about the shortness of it because if I'm writing a response on an appellate issue on a niche, every lawyer in the country that has an interest in that issue, including in-house counsel, is going to read it. You know, if, if I'm reading, if That's I'm writing, point. if Some I'm writing, pressure there. if I'm writing on an epidemi- epidemiology uh, issue that I can dissect and comment on as it relates to an outbreak that is killing people in a particular city. It, it needs to be of a certain length, and every food industry person is going to read it, and every lawyer is going to read it, and so are the families that are being impacted by this thing. So what's real important is to not reduce blogging to some glib rules that, that people don't blog or even understand it, you know, get into. And so it, it, it's whatever works. Um, if you're dissecting you know, a regulation and you need to do that for the industry because you're the thought leader on the industry, you know, you're going to take some time and put it out there because you owe that to your to your audience. You're not thinking about uh, how many hours this is taking, how many billable hours am I losing, or any of that type of stuff. Because it's it's what you do to develop a name. It's what you do to help other people and to serve. You know, as lawyers, we have an obligation to serve the, the community. That's why we went to law school. And so, if we're covering a niche, and we have an important voice in the niche, we're not worried about things like. You know, images are okay, but images, length of posts, uh, how many, that type of stuff. So it's, as you get into blogging, you're going to realize over time that you actually have an impact on the profession and advancement of the law. We're running short on time, but I have two more questions I want to hit before we close it out. And I know uh, everyone's got places to be here. So real quick, uh, just in terms of promotion, I know that social media is very helpful uh, to, to getting our messaging out there just across the board, but there are a lot of platforms out there. And so I guess just the question with that is like, you're writing, you're going to be, uh, you want to be a thoughtful expert type of article out there because you're going to have your peers <laughs> reviewing it. So a lot of pressure there, but the, the social media part, I going about uh, promoting that? You know, how much time you invest in that? What platforms are you seeing resonate well with law? I mean, for me, it's been LinkedIn has been a pretty good one, but uh, you know, what are, what are you all uh, seeing out there that's helpful? I think when you write all the things and you might write it for your colleagues and that's all good and great that they approve, but if no one sees it, what's the point, right? And so I think um, I was having a conversation with a woman in my gym and she was a um, very high-powered professional, and she says that she gets all of her estate planning content on TikTok. And I thought, what? You know, because I personally, I can't stand it, but that's where she finds her short-form content that is just like, these are estate planning lawyers who are trying to find a way to get the information to potential clientele. And so I think that whatever you think will resonate with your, your, your ideal client and the people you're trying to speak to, you know, if you're speaking to lawyers, that, that makes one sense in one way. But if you're speaking to just regular people or consumers, they might be interested in just little snippets or whatever it is, even though that, that could lead to more in-depth articles or your blog, you know, and things like that. So I think whoever your audience is, that's where you go. 
Yeah, I would agree. And like, don't make assumptions about where exactly. your audience is. Like, um, it's going to be a better use of your time to put a little bit of work in up front to see like who, how many people are online on Twitter or, or LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever it might be um, before you commit to that network. And I would say if you're starting out, maybe just commit to one, maybe two, because again, consistency just like with blogging is important with social media too. And if you don't keep that up, then it kind of falls flat. All right, last question. This comes from Newbies. So where do Newbies go to get started? What's a, what's a good platform to start with? There's lots. You can go to WordPress.com, you know, $35 a month and up and That going. was a softball for Kevin. Yeah. So, you know, uh, but anyway. It, the, 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 the whole thing with blogging is people put in so much time and they have no clue what they're doing. And, so, and there's, so, there's more information, more misinformation than there ever has been before. So, yeah, I was hoping I mean, you'd it, say Lex blog. I don't know why Kevin won't promote his business here. I just gave him a green. I have a hard, have a hard time it. promoting the, the company, but, but, but anybody that comes to Lex blog, they have, they're guaranteed to be successful in blogging. And we put... There it is. We, oh, that's what I was looking for. So Perfect. <laughs> perfect. Okay. Well, I will also plug us. Um, if you head to Clio.com slash blog, we have lots of articles um, for beginners or anyone on how yeah. to blog, how to get the most out of blogging. Um, definitely go and check those out. If you have any uh, recommendations there for uh, starter platforms? No. I'm a guest blogger, so I don't <laughs> okay. want to... I'm not like, whoever will have me, I will be there. All right. We're wrapping it up. I wanted to respond to one thing that you said. That you can use social media wherever you want to go because it's like saying I golf at this golf course I don't play golf I waste my time but or I use Facebook because I get to know people and over time people will know who I am and I'm in a group and that type of stuff the I get up every morning now with a cup of coffee to, to watch TikTok and I'm <laughs> trying to figure out how it works and the crazy thing about TikTok, once you use it, you get what you like after yes. a while. Yeah. Algorithm it, yeah, knows. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's strange, but true. <laughs> it's true. People consume content wherever it's available to them. So <laughs> mm -hmm. no need to like be too rigid in how that is because past performance is not an indication of future success. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, we're going to leave it there, but I want to give everyone an opportunity to just share some contact information before we close out when we start with Ify. Yes, um, if you can find me on Instagram. That's my favorite. Ooh, uh, nice. At Ify Ipekwe, E-S-Q. And I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn, you know, not posting much, but I also write weekly for Above the Law on small business law issues. All right, Teresa. Great. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Teresa Maddich, um, and you can also read about stuff on the Clio blog. And Kevin? If you Google real lawyers, you, you'll see real lawyers at blog is the number one thing. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much for stopping by. I really appreciate it. Also, thank you listeners for tuning in. If you liked what you heard today, please rate and review us in your favorite podcasting app and best yet, recommend us to a friend. We'll see you next time for another episode of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. Or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Bye.